Okay, so we've been in this series for some weeks now, trying to describe or explain how we have a good and loving God who is all-powerful, and yet we have so much bad in the world. And I've titled it, God is Great, God is Good, Then Why All This Evil, or Why All This Bad? And we firmly established that God is great. He's uh, without God, there would be nothing. And he is, by definition, a being than which no greater can be conceived. God is the definition of good. And if uh, that good did not come from God's nature and was not established as such, then we would never be able to say there is objective good all the time for all people. So God is great, God is good, then why all this bad? Well, we talked about the fact that this isn't Eden anymore. God created a perfect world and he put people in it and they chose to rebel against him. But I also said that that was one of the reasons why God is great is that he is capable of limiting his power in order to achieve whatever his will chooses to achieve. And he obviously has a greater purpose in mind uh, for our world because he chose to limit himself and create you. Um, you have the ability to say no to God and he stops at the threshold of your life. Now, he wouldn't have to do that, but God wants you to love him freely. He wants you to choose to love him freely. In fact, um, when you give, say you, you give an offering at church, you, you tithe, uh, the, the scripture follows that same line. It says that you don't give reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. Well, ideally, when you're giving, you're giving out of love. You're cheerfully giving, you're offering that to the Lord. And whatever service that is, if you are volunteering at church, if you're uh, seeking to do something for the Lord in some other capacity, you know, that's what he's looking for. He's looking for lovers, honestly. But he wants that to happen freely. And if you didn't have a genuine free will, then that would be quite impossible. So that explains why the fall happened, right? Now we talk about this time of year as the fall, the leaves fall from the trees and so forth. But the fall, speaking of the fall of human beings from the presence of God and really from the favor of God. And that's where we live. We're not in Eden anymore. But um, there is something better coming, right? There's heaven that is on the way, at least for those who would choose to dwell with God for eternity and who would choose to surrender their wills to him. You see, you're not going to be in a position in heaven where you have no free will. When you stand before the judgment bar of Christ and uh, he, he's going to ask you, you know, what did you, what did you do with me? Did, did you believe? And if you do, you enter heaven because of his sacrifice on the cross, not because of the works that you have done in righteousness, the deeds that you have done. And you're not kept out of heaven because of mistakes that you've made, failures that you've had, sins that you've committed. You're kept out of heaven because you don't want to be there, because you don't want to surrender your will to his will. But once you do, then you, you don't have St. Peter at the gate with the keys. You have Jesus standing there and he allows you into heaven, but you still have a free will. So how's that going to work? Does that mean you could sin in heaven? Well, in the same respect as Jesus could have sinned on earth, but he did not. You could, yes, it's possible because you still have a free will and a free will still has the capacity of resisting God. So how is it going to be that should you choose to receive Christ and enter heaven that you won't sin? Well, I actually have a really good answer for that question and it is... Um, the uh, introduction to the next section in this book that I've been writing, which is just titled, This Ain't Heaven. Um, so uh, let me just read that brief introduction here because I think that it will keep me concise. Think of this life as boot camp for service in the life to come. You're going to boot camp. 
When do you leave? So you leave on Monday? So you're going to be here next Sunday? Are you going to be here next Sunday? All right, we need to remember to give Felix a rousing send-off to boot camp. So boot camp is where they're going to turn Felix into a soldier. We have uh, a member of our church, uh, the, the first child of um, Craig and Rachel, that just finished Navy boot camp. And he told me on the phone that it was easy. <laughs> you got to know this kid. It was easy. What he told me is he said, yeah, there were some people that shouldn't have passed. <laughs> so, but boot camp is what makes them the soldier that they want them to be. At least it's what starts them off and gets them on the right path, right? You get the haircut, you get the uniform. And uh, uh, Pastor Craig and Rachel you know, posted some pictures of Jacob in his Navy uniform. And the dude, I thought he looked good. And then Craig said, typical of Jacob, he didn't like it. He didn't like the uniform. Guess what? You're in the Navy now and you get to wear the uniform. So it doesn't matter whether you like it or not. But that's what this life is. It's boot camp, but it's boot camp for heaven. It's boot camp for eternity. Life on earth is not all there is. So you and I need to stop expecting everything to be perfect down here because it never will be. Cease striving to make a utopia of this life and get ready to live with God forever and in the hereafter instead. That doesn't mean don't make your life better. In fact, if you live for God, it is going to make your life better. But the point is, there's always going to be tests. And that's really what the message is today. And I'm going to get to that shortly. The world is fallen. It's imperfect if viewed either as the only or as the final way things will be. The question is, what is your response to this reality? I say, never be complete. I say, stop being perfect. I say, let's evolve. Chips fall where they may. Famous quote from a movie that I used to quote from extensively when we started this church, Fight Club. I don't recommend you watch it. Okay. <laughs> There's my disclaimer, but it's a great quote. So there's some truth there, but it's missing hope. And we do have hope. Our world is not an accident. The fall didn't take God by surprise. Listen to this. This is not plan B. God didn't do a face plant when Eve decided to eat the fruit from the tree and do a double face plant when Adam followed Eve. God is capable of allowing you to make free choices, even free choices that are opposed to him and still accomplish his will and still accomplish a greater good. Amen? So we're, we're not uh, in an accidental world. We freely choose to rebel. So that doesn't mean that God is causing everything, even though I said this is in his plan. Nonetheless, God is ultimately responsible for everything and will, as the scripture says, make all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Raise your hand if you love God, all right? Raise your hand if you have chosen to follow God's purpose for your life. Then everything is going to work out. So you hear people, some people are just inveterate positive people right? They're just naturally positive people. And these are the folks that things are going bad. The chips are, are, are down and they're going to say, oh, it's all going to be all right. But see, I can't make you that promise. If you don't love God, if you haven't chosen to put your, if you haven't chosen to put your faith in Jesus, right? And if you are not pursuing his purpose for your life, I can't make you that promise. Things may turn out really, really badly for you. And I guarantee you they will turn out really badly for you in the end. If you don't choose to surrender your will to his will and say, not my will, but your will be done. But if you do, then even though you fail, even though you fall, he's going to help you get up. He's going to help you press on. He's going to give you the strength. He's not going to do it for you. 
but he's going to give you the strength so that you can accomplish the things that he has for you. This world is perfect in one sense. It's not a perfect world, but it's perfect in one sense. It is the per perfect place and time for you to discover God and decide whether to live for him by yourself, with your own will, right? Um, listen to this passage of scripture from Acts chapter 17. The Apostle Paul is talking to some philosophers, some Epicurean and Stoic philosophers in Athens in his day. And he's talking about Jesus. And he didn't introduce the Old Testament or the Old Testament law or Moses or any of that. He talked to them using their language, using philosophy. And uh, he quoted a couple of their poets. And then he said this, the Apostle Paul to these philosophers. And he, that is God, made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they, that they, in order that they, purpose statement. Why did he do that? That they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. That's God's purpose is to allow you to seek him should you choose to do so. And then to give you the decision as to whether you want to live life your way. And ultimately, C.S. Lewis saw that as being hell. He said, hell is just getting your way and having no other hope and being bound to that for eternity. That was C.S. Lewis's idea of hell, right? So there was a movie in the 90s called What Dreams May Come. And it kind of was following that line, I suppose. Uh, hell was what spilled out of people and heaven was what spilled out of people. But the reality is heaven is you in the presence of God pursuing his will for eternity and being fulfilled by that. And hell is being separated from God for eternity. Uh, ideally, at some point in time, you know, the Lord will call a halt to that and you'll be ultimately destroyed. But I can't promise you that. I can promise you that there will be no hope and no life and no love apart from God. And so it's really, really imperative that each of us look at this uh, offer that God has made for us, to us, uh, very, very carefully. And that offer is eternal life. To as many as received him, to they, them he gave the right to be children of God, even to those who called on his name. So you have the ability to receive this gift of eternal life. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's his gift. If you choose to receive that gift, but eternal life is not just everlasting life doing whatever you want. Again, it is being in the very presence of God for eternity. And that's very, very important. So this is where we prepare for life in God's presence forever. Right now, that's where you're preparing. We're distracted by so many things each day. Um, but this isn't to say that you need to move out into the, the wilderness and live in a cave and sort of become a monk. You can do this. And indeed, I think God expects you to do this as you go about your daily life. It's just you're acknowledging him in all that you do. We teach that to our karate kids, right? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. I had uh, the uh, first pastor that I came to faith under, as a matter of fact, was Richard Jackson. And uh, he used to talk all of the time about witnessing, about sharing your faith. But although we had in that church a Monday night outreach program where we would go and we would visit the people that had visited our church and go to their homes and knock on the door, that sort of thing doesn't quite go over as well these days. Um, in fact, in Texas, you might get shot. I don't know. 
but in any event, that's what we did. I went to Monday night outreach. But the primary way that Pastor Jackson said that we needed to be sharing our faith, witnessing, is in the daily traffic patterns of our life. And see, that's that's how you're being perfected in Christ, is you're going about your life. You're seeking God's will, but you're doing what you do. You're being a principal. You're, you're being a school teacher. Uh, you know, you're in retirement and you're, you're dealing with the, the issues you have there, or you're a student, or uh, you're going into the military, and you're presented with challenges each and every day and opportunities to overcome those challenges by putting your faith in Jesus and by following him. And in that process, you are being sanctified. You are being made more like Jesus, right? So uh, we're in the right place, and this is the right time to discover God and to decide whether we're going to live with him for eternity. Um, in Joel... The prophet Joel uh, looked at his people and he saw a vision of people in a valley. And he said, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. You're in that valley of decision right now. No matter when you, ha you previously made the decision to follow Jesus, you're still in that valley of decision day in and day out. He is going to separate the sheep from the goats in eternity. He's going to separate the wheat from the chaff. Similarly, every person is now in a valley of their own decision about God. So will you choose to believe in Christ and receive his gift of eternal life to worship and to serve him? Or will you continue to serve yourself and remain separated from him and face eternal destruction in hell? The nature and characteristics of our world are intended for a purpose to give us the opportunity to believe in God and prepare us to live and serve him in the good and perfect world to come. What follows in the rest of this section that I have are some of those characteristics. So today, um, the title that I gave to the message is, It's a Test. This life is a test. And I'm just going to give you a little bit of the introduction to this chapter, and then I want to launch into a uh, very focused application for you guys that I believe the Lord gave me uh, to deliver to you on Thursday. Um, I want to quote something that is from an apocryphal book. Now, that means that it's not inspired in the same way that the Word of God is, but that doesn't mean that there's not wisdom there any more than uh, reading Shakespeare would provide me with a degree of wisdom, right? Um, but uh, this is from a, a, an apocryphal book that is in the Catholic Bible and uh, others that accept those apocryphal books in the, in the middle of uh, the uh, non-Protestant Bibles. But it's called Syriac. And if that is the way you pronounce it, Sirach 2, 1 through 6. My child, when you come to serve the Lord, prepare yourself for testing. Set your heart right and be steadfast, and do not be impetuous in a time of calamity. Cling to him and do not depart, so that your last days may be prosperous. Accept whatever befalls you, and in times of humiliation, be patient. For gold is tested in the fire. And those found acceptable in the furnace of humiliation, trust him and he will help you. Make your way straight and hope in him. Wow, I think that's really good. So we're being tested. And I've said this several times as we've come to, well, and we're still going through the pandemic. Uh, in fact, uh, there's a man that I would like for you to pray for, and you may know of others, uh, but uh, there is a uh, a fellow that uh, I know that uh, Elijah has been friends with for many years and I've known for a number of years. His name is Moses Uvier. 
and he has a severe case of COVID right now. He's in the hospital. Uh, he's getting supplementary oxygen, and I just discovered this uh, because his wife posted on his Facebook page. So you can be praying for him. So we're still being tested. And, uh, you know, I do have an application directly for you, but I would suspect that you're under pressure and that you're being tested. Um, so to what end? Well, I, I really kind of gave you uh, an idea of that a moment ago, but in heaven, we will continue to have the ability to exercise free will. However, when God is present, our ability to choose is immediately limited because of who he is and his power, right? It's either go his way or go away. However, freedom doesn't cease, or you and I would cease to be individual persons. In heaven, all the trials and temptations of this life will be gone, and we will be in the very presence of God. There'll be no more suffering. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more tears. Um, that's good news. So that changes everything, but you and I will still be ourselves, distinct from one another and distinct from God, creatures with unique personalities, and that requires free will. I will always be capable of choosing between loving God and loving myself, even in heaven. Um, listen to what C.S. Lewis said in his book, The Problem of Pain. The minimum condition of self-consciousness and freedom then would be that the creature should apprehend God and therefore itself as distinct from God. It is possible that such creatures exist, aware of God in themselves, but of no fellow creatures. If so, their freedom is simply that of making a single naked choice of loving God more than the self or the self more than God. And that choice continues in heaven. Heaven is the final state of the saved and that will be a renewed earth to be like Eden was. We'll be in the presence of God and that narrows the field of choices down to what Adam and Eve had in Eden, God's will or self-will apart from God. God may, and perhaps I should say confidently, God will give us responsibility and leadership over some part of his kingdom and that may also involve further freedom to choose within God's will between one path and another. So if you thought you were just going to kind of lay back in heaven and, uh, you know, relax on a cloud and play a harp, I, I think that we've misunderstood what heaven is in the same respect as we've misunderstood hell as some place where demons torture people forever. Um, once we pass from this life of freedom, to live apart from God is only available in hell. There's not a third place. See, right now, you have your thoughts to yourself. Right? If you don't open your mouth, and I open my mouth too much. That's my problem, by the way. <laughs> I, I just have a tendency to be very expressive and just say what I feel at the moment and then turn around. Oh, I'm sorry. Did, did you hear that? You know. But if we're real quiet, nobody knows what's going on here except you. And you're choosing those thoughts all the time. You're making those determinations all the time as you go through your life. But see, ultimately, of course, God knows those things, but leaves you to yourself. Once we arrive in heaven, it's us and God. Us as a community, certainly, but us and God. And there's no other place. There's not an earth where there are these independent choices being made. There's either heaven or there's hell. Well, I'm just wondering, does that scare you? You might say, well, what if I sin? Um, what if I rebel against God? It should scare you if in heaven you are the same way you are now. However, I've already made the case that this is boot camp for the kingdom, a time for preparation. Believers are moving toward the place where we really and truly believe in God so much that we always choose to do his will no matter what. Did you hear that? That's what you're being prepared for. So that 
you have such a trust in God, such a confidence in God, such surrender to God that you're always choosing to do his will. And as I said earlier and insinuated to some degree, I believe you will continue to have an array of choices. It's not just God pointing his finger and saying, go there and do this and go there and do that. Although to me, that would be just fine. But I think that uh, we will be given responsibility and be allowed an array of choices. Um, so believers are moving toward the place where we're really, truly in that perfect will of God. This life's trials and tests are meant to ensure that we do not ever decide to turn away from God as apostate Christians do on earth and as some of the angels did long ago. That's why we're going through the test. So this life has a purpose and that purpose is preparation. So we're gonna always be faced with a test. That test is, will I continue to believe in God or do I doubt his existence? or doubt his presence. Maybe I don't doubt his existence somewhere, but I doubt his presence in my life. Will I continue to trust my good and loving father in spite of the evil I see and the trouble I go through? Will I obey God or rebel like his enemy? Those are questions you should ask yourself. Now this has been practical, I think, but very theological. But now I wanna, I wanna get very focused and very practical. I think that this is a message the Lord had for me, and I think it's a message uh, that the Lord has for you. Here's the question, and uh, Autumn, this is where the notes that you have will start. What is your response to a serious challenge? How do you respond to pressure? And you may say, Pastor, I'm right in the middle of it right now. And I do, I see a tremendous amount of that. Um, I had a meeting with our landlords earlier this week and I think that it was overall a good meeting, but I could see that in my effort to try to keep our building cool so that you would keep coming to church, that I had added to their pressure. And you know, I could see that there was, there was just that sense of you know, being under pressure and I didn't intend to be a source of that. I just wanted to make sure that you were willing to continue to come to church. Uh, and I suspected that if this room were 80 degrees every week, that even fewer people who are here this morning would be here. But it started making me broaden out and look at myself and look at others uh, as I presented some of the challenges that we're dealing with. You know, the last thing you want is to worry about your church. So then here's more pressure. And, you know, you've got kids and you're trying to worry about them and there's more pressure and you know, pressure's being put on you at your job and prices are going up and you know, there's just all this pressure, 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 these different and various pressures. Uh, if your health is, is, uh, is failing you in some way, then there's more pressure, right? And this, all of this pressure we used to call stress, um, but I think many times when we, we encounter a lot of pressure, it's really a lot like a threat, right? And I made this statement and I, I will share it with you. I made this statement to our landlords, you know, if they were to rent this building out from under us, it is an existential threat to our survival. And I have felt more anxious. I, I don't feel anxious. I, I really don't feel fear. That was something that was a constant uh, companion, uh, an unwanted companion that I had when I was a kid. Constant fear. 
fear of bullies, fear of demons, fear of everything all the time. It's awful to be in fear. And anxiety, honestly, is just a, it's a type of fear. It's a, another way of saying there, there are these things that I can't handle and I don't know what I'm going to do. Anxiety, worry, it's, a, it's really very, very similar. Um, so I think that many of us are, are under stress and we're, we're seeing that as a threat. And I do. I, uh, for the last, I, I have been, I'm just going to be honest with you, I have been miserable for about the last three weeks because I'm trying to figure out what we're supposed to do. And of course, I'm seeking to trust God. But what I am going to say to you today, and I hope uh, you're not taking this as a, 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 you know, an excuse to join in with some pity party that I am throwing, but to look at your own life and the existential threats that you are facing, financial or uh, physiological, your health or relational or in any of these different ways. Um, we respond to threats in a number of different ways. If you respond, this is number one on your outline if you're following along, and this is where you can take something home with you. If you respond in the flesh, and the flesh just means I'm responding in the natural, instead of by faith in a good, powerful, and loving God or Father, uh, the statement is in our all-powerful, good, and loving Father, then if you respond in the flesh instead of by faith, then you will do what any human does. Humans are without the Spirit, right? Without a spirit that makes us like God. We're made in the image of God. That's what sets us apart from the animals. There's a, there's a lot of statements about, well, you know, I think increasingly people are looking at animals and humans as just being, you know, kind of on the on a continuum. We're just basically the same thing. You know, we're just more sophisticated in certain ways, but we're just animals. No, you're not. You have something that no animal has. And I, I you may love your animals and that's good for you. But you are different than the animals because you have been made in the image of God. You have a spirit. And people would say, you know, well, I think animals have souls. Animals have a rudimentary soul, a natural soul. But what you have is a spirit that forms a unique soul. In the beginning, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, And God formed man from the dust of the earth. That's your body. You have a body. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. That word breath in Hebrew is the same word as the word spirit. You have a spirit. And man became a living being or a living soul. You have a body. You have a spirit. And that combination makes you a unique soul. So, you have been made in the image of God and you have something the animals don't have. You have a spirit. And we need that spirit to be brought back to life or to be awakened in order to have any sort of communication or communion with God. And that's what happens when we are born again, right? We're born anew. Our spirit is given a new birth. We're brought into uh, the heavenlies. We're, we're given this ability, if we choose, to interact with God. This is why people that aren't saved who pray may not have any sense that there's anybody there listening. They just want something to happen. They want somebody to be listening, you know, but they, they have to just kind of look around and just hope that these words aren't going up into the air and falling to the ground. But when you are saved, 
When you call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved, when you receive the Spirit, you're reborn and you are given the ability to not just commune with God by speaking words to Him, but you also receive from Him. He wants to impress you with His will to move upon your spirit. It's very important for you to understand this because otherwise we're just walking around in the natural with this capability to be spiritual if we've been saved, but we're not using that capability. So if we're walking in the flesh, how do we respond? Number two, the natural response to an impending threat. That means it's not right on top of us yet, it's coming. Is fear or fretting. I'm making these all Fs so you can follow along. Fear, you understand, that's anxiety, right? And, uh, there is there are there are biblical answers to these. Fretting is is worrying, and in fact, uh, Psalm thirty seven. We often quote Psalm thirty seven four that says, "Delight yourself in the Lord; He will give you the desires of your heart." But really, the theme of Psalm of Psalm thirty seven. You can tell I have waited for a while, huh? It's my mouth is different. Like the way my tongue hits the back of my teeth is not the same. There's more room. It's awesome, right? But um, the theme of Psalm thirty seven is don't fret, don't worry. God's going to take care of you. God's going to give you, right, these desires of your heart. And Psalm 37, 8 says, do not fret, it only leads to evil, right? So fretting is not exactly like worrying, but it's somewhat like worrying. And that, that's a response to an impending threat. Now, the natural response to an immediate threat, right, you know, the gun is being pulled. Uh, you're, you're being evicted from your apartment today. That's an immediate threat. Is fight or flight. That's the response. That doesn't mean that there's not still fear there. And I should say uh, that some people don't flee. They just cower. They just fall. So maybe I, I could add an F there for you. It's to fall and do nothing, right? To fight or to flee. That's what we do when there's an immediate threat. That's number three. And I, like I said, you can add a, a third one there. You can add fall. Number four, the person who has faith does not respond according to the flesh. They do not walk in the natural, but in the supernatural. Galatians 5.16 says, walk by the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And Galatians uh, 5.26 says, keep in step with the spirit. That's what we need to be doing. And then number five, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. Whose report are you going to believe? And see, this is what's been difficult for me over the last three weeks, is seeing that there is this impending threat that it's very, very difficult to face. Imagine you're going to lose everything, literally everything, right? It's a big, big deal. Am I going to walk by sight? Well, that's what I see. Um, I know what the numbers are. I know what the numbers are, you know, as far as people continuing to be in and out and up and down. And I'm glad we have online and I'm glad you've joined us online. But man, we need to be faithful. We need to be here. We need to be worshiping together or we don't need to have this building. Right? If I've got, you know, so few people coming, we could ha accommodate you in a, a much smaller facility and then we wouldn't have this threat when it concerns paying rent on a building like this. But I got to walk by faith and not by sight, 
right? If I just crunch the numbers and say, no, we got to figure this out. We got to get out of here. We got to do something else. Now, I believe in taking action. You ask and you seek and you knock. And I've been driving around and praying and I've, I've uh, you know, uh, thrown requests out to people to give me some ideas. Do they know of other space? I don't believe we're going to leave, but I'm not going to be foolish and be caught behind. But there's this constant vacillation within me between looking at what is right here in front of my face and trying to pay attention to the Lord and the Lord's assurance that everything is going to be okay, that all things are going to work together for our good and for his glory, right? So you need to walk by faith. Now that faith is going to be in God's word. And this is why, friends, for all of my failures in other areas, I am in the word every single day. And I'm not just reading scriptures so I can find messages to preach to you. I'm in the word every day because I want to know the mind of God. I want to know what he is saying. I want to receive direction from him. And as I've said before, I'm trying to share that with you. Uh, if you're not receiving my daily passages, go to um, lifewell.flocknote, F-L-O-C-K-N-O-T-E, flocknote.com, and register there. All you have to do is just do a, a login in, in your name, and then you can put, uh, put yourself in as many groups as you would like to hear information from. And if you don't, then you can be like several people and they just say, stop, they don't want to hear from us anymore. And pretty typically, they're just people that aren't coming anymore. And that's fine. I'm not going to send you a bunch of information that you don't want. That's why I'm letting you opt into these groups. So go to lifewell.flocknote.com and then click Daily Bible and you will receive a passage from me every day. And there'll be a link to the Bible app. You click the link, it'll say read chapter, and you can click that. And you can read the whole chapter. I was sending out links to the whole chapter. Now I'm just sending out these passages because I suspected that not everybody will read the whole chapter every day. Uh, why do I keep saying that? Because I want you in the Word. I want you to receive what God is saying. And I'm trying to relay that to you and relate that to you each and every day. That's how we're going to walk by faith. We're walking by faith in God's revelation. As a former member of this church used to say, there's apparently an old Pentecostal song that has a refrain in it, whose report are you going to believe? Right? And, you know, the report from the world is always bad news. There is one catastrophe after another. Your life may be going well, but if you tune in to Fox or CNN, the world's on fire all the time. Right. They're all screaming at each other and fighting at each other. And, you know, and if there's not enough bad news here, then we're going to go somewhere else and find more bad news. And we're going to implicate other people. And we're just going to keep setting people against each other so that we continue to strive and fight and whatever. And that's why I tell people, get into the word and tune out the the news is just propaganda. It's not news anymore. You do realize that, right? It's just propaganda. You're just being told what to think. So, you know, as I've said before, I I have this app on my phone called Ground News, like the ground you stand on. And it basically just takes news sites from the right and from the left and from the center, and it aggregates them and says, here's what is being reported out there. And it allows you to just get a little overview of what's going on. But you know, there are days I don't even want to hear that. It's like, I just need to focus on the Lord. And when your life is, you know, out of control, you need to back away from all of these uh, potential threats out there and all of these catastrophes that are facing the, the world out there all the time and just focus on the Lord and yourself and your family, right? 
But we need to walk by faith and not by sight. We need to believe the report from the Lord and not the report from the world. Number five, that's number five. Number six is just a scripture. Um, uh, this is uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing. How many things should you be anxious about? Nothing. nothing. That means don't worry about anything. But in everything, with prayer and petition, Prayer could be any type of talking to God. It could be just crying out to God, saying, help me. Petition is making requests, asking, right? Jesus said, ask and seek and knock. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and petition, let your requests be made known to God. Ah, I left out a part of it. With prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I, I, I wrote it as I remembered it, and I just remembered there's a little extra part, with thanksgiving. You're already thanking God for answering your prayer. Amen? Right? So be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Somebody's in the hospital. You don't know where your next paycheck's going to come from. Suddenly, uh, you're facing an increase in your rent. Suddenly, it looks like you might be let go from your job. You have no idea what you're going to do. You have no answers for that. So you let your request be made known to God with thanksgiving. And then he is going to supply you with a peace that doesn't make sense. It goes beyond understanding. Well, it goes beyond your understanding. See, he's got everything in line. He knows what's going on and he's going to take care of everything. But that's what I need to hang on to is that promise that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, your heart and your mind, right? You, you, sometimes this stuff can get so crazy, you feel like you're going crazy. Your heart can just be crushed because you don't feel like the Lord is, is taking care of you, right? And, and it's discouraging because you see other people being blessed, at least as you know, that term is usually used. They, they have the finances they need. They have the new car. Uh, things seem to be going well. You look at their social media and their life is just perfect and they have a billion followers and everybody likes them and whatever. And you're like, nothing I do matters, right? The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart from being crushed, your mind from going crazy in Christ Jesus. Notice, in Christ Jesus. That's the promise that we have. And number seven, if you fear God, you need fear nothing else. That squashes all fretting, all worry, everything else. If I, if I revere the Father, I don't need to fear anything else. So this is a message that I needed. And I hope it is a message that will help you um, as you navigate the, the struggles that you're dealing with, the, the, the pressure, the, the impending or immediate threats. I hope that you see that God is a good and loving God. Um, going back through these, um, the natural response being fear, uh, the scripture says in 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Psalm 55, 22 and 1 uh, Peter 5, 7, both say, cast your cares upon him for he cares for you. So I am gonna turn that over to the Lord altogether. Um, and I already mentioned uh, the, the passage about, um, uh, about um, not fretting, right? 
Do not fret because it only leads to evil. So take all of this scripture to heart and allow the Lord to put you on a path um, of prosperity. Now, I just in faith and in hope, I suppose, uh, I put a, a little subtitle on today's bulletin and I call this Breakthrough Sunday. We need a breakthrough. We need a financial breakthrough. We need a breakthrough in your heart so that you are willing to say, Lord, do whatever you want to do with me. I want your spirit. I want your will. I want your way. I don't want anything that I have because you have all of these issues in your life and you need a breakthrough today. And this church needs a breakthrough today. So we've reserved two songs for the end here because the crux of all of this is that you stop responding and I stop responding in the flesh and that we respond by faith. What is faith? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. You know what assurance is? It's confidence. It's not cockiness. It's confidence. I know it's going to be all right. Why? Because I see it? No. But because I trust a good and loving God who is going to take care of me. And I pray that that is the same for you.